Rolling, 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 rolling. Keep rolling, 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 <laughs> rolling. Back up, back up. It's the Game Central podcast. Tell me what you're going to do now. Uh, yes, here we are for another week. It's all of your gaming news, as you like it, sprayed around everywhere like a burst sewer pipe. But hey, everyone has different tastes in what they like. And just like vaginal pubic hairstyles, we have enough variety here on the Game Central podcast to make every episode unique. First up, we have the hairy vagina. Not particularly well trimmed and left to overgrow slightly, it's not until you look inside that you notice the depths of this particular vagina. Warm, inviting. It may look a tangled mess from the outside, but look inside and you'll feel something worthwhile. It's Gareth Williams. Um, How you doing, Gareth? I'm pretty fly for a white guy. You are. Just woke up, aren't you? Perpetually, yes. Yes, perpetually woken. I would say I'm the complete opposite of Gareth. On the outside, I'm pretty unassuming. Short, trimmed hair on the outside. No noticeable scarring or warts. But on the inside, oh, on the inside. Doctors have tried to clear me up my my problems with medication, but it just will not shift. There is always a rush of filth ready to push forth from the deepest recesses. And my name is Rob. Bless my little heart. If you like your vaginas bald, thank you, then you are in luck. Not only is it bald, but it constantly plays Destiny. His name is Don Goss, and this is the Game Central Podcast. Thank you, Don. So what do we have this week, Don? Well, do you want to know where Hideo Kojima is? Yes, I do. Want to know what Microsoft is planning for their next console? Yep. Want to know where Half-Life 3 is? No, it's never happening. Also, Shenmue 3, what's going on with that? Nobody wants that. Well, we have all of the answers to those (laughs) questions and more scattered throughout the podcast at random intervals. So you're just going to have to listen through the whole thing to find out. However, something I can tell you is that we'll be covering this week's news. We will also be dipping our toes into the water of E3 for the first time this week when we discuss Sony's year and what we expect from them in June. Don't worry, we also discuss Nintendo next week and Microsoft the week after, leading into E3 very nicely, if my math is correct. Then we finish, as we do every week, slightly tiring, trying to get across our feelings about the games we've been playing this week. I just want Destiny to go away, Gareth. Yeah. I don't mean it in a horrible way, just kind of like Evolve, where it kind of just faded away. When I was younger, myself and two of my friends always used to go out after school and play football in a local park, every day without foul. We used to love it. One day, my friend broke his ankle when I was unable to play football with us for about three months. He came along with us sometimes, but it was never the same. Do you see what I mean, Don? Not really, no. Well, the analogy is, you know... I never played three... football as a kid, I hated it. You don't look like a football kid, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell? Yeah. yeah. Would you have been put in goal? Um, or was no, you not I... even on that level? I wouldn't have even been invited onto the pitch whatsoever. I bet you used to hang around with the girls, didn't you? Yeah. Did you? Yep. Because uh, that, that, that's the very specific kind of, oh, I wonder what he's going to be when he grows up. Kind of thing, isn't it? No, it's just you. You just either get on with the boys or you don't. And and therefore, if you don't, the only option left open to you is the girls. Unless you're in prison. Unless you're in prison, and that will not work. You just don't get a choice. 
You could, I suppose <laughs> you could hang around with the girls in prison, Don, but they won't be like specifically female. No, they call themselves the girls, but they ain't they no fanny. They ain't no fanny, but you, you could join in. <laughs> but before any of that is divulged, it is time for gossip that is so hot it has its own separate section on the Goss podcast. I was going to call it the Goss Pass then. <laughs> it's Don's Hot Goss Ip. week we have Don's Hot Gossip. If you're not familiar with Don's Hot Gossip, or you were just away when he was away, which was pretty strange to have happened, and you've come back, there was no break, <laughs> had the Ellery Ip, but last week we had Don's Hot Gossip. It was a bit, um, a bit sort of Hollywoodized, wasn't it? I don't, I think you had creative liberties with this actual story. Nah, it, it was basically true. Both well, hope- weirdo on holiday. He mentioned making horror movie, horror video games. There you go. Okay, Don, but this week, hopefully you've reined it in a little bit and it's a little bit more personal and a little bit true to what we believe in. <laughs> well, it might be. You might be might be very lucky. Um, okay, so... Nintendo. We love Nintendo, don't we? We do. It's almost, as if, it's almost as if I only talk about Nintendo and Hideo Kojima on this, uh, this section of the podcast. Oh dear. I can't imagine why that is. <clears throat> Careful, you T-Roll. Sorry, sorry. Don't give it away, <laughs> Don. Don't give it away. <laughs> uh, as we know, they're making a new console, and uh, it's a company called the NX. What does NX stand for? Does it stand for Nintendo Experiment? Oh. Is, it a little, is it a little kind of shortened version of Next, without the E or the T? Or does it stand for Nintendo Extreme? No, because, no. Because actually, Nintendo are going after the hardcore with their next console. Nintendo X-rated. <clears throat> Go on, Gareth. That is another definite possibility. What it actually stands for, though, according to this gossip, anyway, uh, <clears throat> is it's not an X at all. It's a cross. Oh, a bit like, like they are oh, like they're angry. Oh. Uh, well, like they're, like they're well angry. <laughs> uh, a bit like bicycle motocross, which is what BMX stood for, of course. Making no sense because motocross does not contain an X. It but Nintendo. Yes. Uh huh. That's really interesting, Don. Thanks for that, Ross. Uh, oh, sorry. I've forgotten what it said for a moment there. Nintendo Cross. It's called Cross for a simple reason. It's a crossover machine. It's a machine which they are, uh, as we know, they've started to hook into mobile lately and they're going to be releasing uh, a lot of indie games uh, on a kind of pay-what-you-want thing. I think I read somewhere the other day. Like the Humble Bundle things. A bit like the Humble Bundle things. Exactly that, Rob. You are correct. But this crossover machine will intend to help them it means what they're doing is they're doing a bit of a what I, a bit like Microsoft and Windows and Apple and iOS it's one operating system across multiple devices so you're going to be able to play your next level Nintendo NX games not only on a console that sits under your telly but you can also yeah. pick up a handheld part of it 
bugger off down the park and you can keep on playing using the NX handheld bit. That's, yeah. that's quite a nice story, Don. Um, so it's not going to be like those Android... It's going to be a bit like those Android devices that they had a few years ago that were plugged into the TV. A bit like the Ouya, whatever it was called. Yes, sort of. Yeah. It'll be just like that. So you can. Uh, so instead of them having this separation between their mobile games with the DSs and the, uh, the Wiis for the home... That'll be one system that will have a part of it. You can take out. That'll be the DS part. Take that yes. out around and keep playing the games you play on your NX. Well, that's All absolutely fantastic. One code system. You're very welcome. That is a fantastic piece of gossip. I think. You and if part. there's one company that can take an idea that has been shown not to work and carry on investing <laughs> money in it, even though it's, it's not working, it's Nintendo. It they, is Nintendo, and they will make it work. Whether even if they don't. Even if it doesn't work, they will make it work. <laughs> In their eyes. <laughs> and if it doesn't work, they say, hey, we're not even on a par with those game consoles, so we're on our own level, so leave exactly. us alone. We have no competition. Yeah, we are. Well, thank you for that, Don. That's really sexy. Thank you. Now on with the vanilla news. Well, Don, that was really great. Thanks for sharing that with us. You're welcome. So if you could bring yourself to listen to the main news this week after hearing that, and I won't blame you if you couldn't, let's start with this news story that crept up. Uh, Oculus Rift has bought 3D mapping firm to turn the real world into a game. Well, that seems quite um, quite a broad statement, doesn't it? Gareth, if you were going to change the world into a game, how would you do it? Um, I mean, game is a very loose term. <laughs> yeah. So uh, obviously, if I if I think about what makes the most business sense, then uh, obviously I would use it to do porn. Yeah. That you could manipulate in a video game like fashion. Ah, oh, it'd be like Google Street View, except you could actually peer into people's windows. Yeah. yeah. That'd be good. That would be good. <laughs> it seems no, that... it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be good. It'd be terrible. I didn't say that. Yeah, but the thing is. Looking at the sort of the demo, the video that's here, uh, well, it was from 2013, so it's very outdated, but it's showing the technology. And what it basically is, is, you know, it's the real world overlaid with computer-generated images. So they've got real chairs and stuff in the room. But as you're looking around with the Oculus Rift, you're seeing people sort of sitting in those chairs. So if you had no friends or anything like that, you could then use your Oculus Rift to make it look like there's people in your room with you, so you can talk to them and stuff like that. But I don't know. It, as I say, Gareth, as we say every time we mention these headsets, they all seem to be very much of the uh, experimental variety where there's not really any solid look at games. It all seems to be the prototypes of versions that we could be seeing further on in the future, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, this seems to be like a... Uh... Hello? Oh, can you hear me? Gareth? <laughs> Gareth? What? Gareth? What's going on? Oh, there you are. It's because what I did is where <laughs> I was watching the video so that I didn't disturb you two or it come out on the podcast, I turned the headset right down. <laughs> so I couldn't hear the video, but then at the same time I couldn't hear you guys. So that's that is comedy gold. 
Okay. That's hilarious. That is really funny. Uh, so, what I'm basically saying, Gareth, is we're seeing a lot of prototypes. Here, look, this is it. You can now build blocks in your living room and it will look like this. Or you can now uh, virtually impose human beings onto your bed and stuff like that. Or a, 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 a young woman crying at the foot of your bed while you're trying to sleep. Oh, God. You no, know, but you could do that, Gareth, in a, in a, in a, in a way in the world. So, but this is, like we say, it's all just concepts and designs. When someone's going to say, look, here, this is a virtual reality game, these headsets are supposed to be coming out soon, apparently, Gareth, but I haven't seen anything that makes me think, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, this time next year we'll have Oculus Rifts, allegedly. Yeah. Which is interesting. I don't think they'll have this technology in them. It no. seems like a very short amount of time. But this is obviously just a big middle finger to Microsoft. Because yeah. the video that's, you know, this demo... That the company Oculus have bought. That's, it's just three years old, Gareth. Let's put that into perspective as well. Yeah, it's three years old, and it's basically exactly what Microsoft's entire headset does. And yeah. it's just going to be a side function of Oculus Rift. And I mean, even if you did get a woman taking her clothes off for that kind of low resolution, they look like PlayStation Two. I wouldn't even be able to work up a Twitch. Really, you never, you never got no. one going over a PS2 game. Um, I think. You know what? Seeing how sexually, how much of a sexual deviant I am, I've never actually got any sort of sexual feelings over any characters. I suppose because girls in video games aren't really. I don't know. You can't really attack them. No, uh, Lara Croft in Tomb Raider One. No, people say all that, don't they? But it never done anything for me. With her Pentagon breasts. But I suppose I had uh, my dad's VHS tape at the time. Television X. It was very, very subdued and not much went on. You couldn't see it going in or anything. <laughs> but you just you just knew that something was happening. You didn't really know what. But I don't know. When was when did softcore porn ever have an audience? <laughs> but seriously, Don, you must have grown up in that time. It it has an audience it has an audience that's the age of twelve. Um exclusively. And it it begins and ends at age of 12. That's it. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I, I couldn't watch it now, to be honest. But I think we're going a bit sidetracked. But what I'm saying, Gareth, is that we could all wear that Oculus Rift headset, right? Mm-hmm. You could be sitting on a chair. Don could be sitting on a chair. And we could be doing this podcast with our own avatars. Yeah, we could have it so people can superimpose us in their own rooms. Yeah. And it'd be, like, live. That'd be brilliant. Be mental, but I think they need to get the hair physics right for you, Gareth. Because even now, on this generation of consoles, they're still not doing hair justice. Yeah, I need like a a Triple H level mane. You would, but I don't think we're going to get there this generation, mate. No. So we might have to put off the whole phone up the people that are building this software and just let them know. That's, that's a million pounds down the drain. Yeah. Well, anyway, Gareth, if I was to catch you and say. Whoa, boy, your spoiler looks sick. Uh-huh. What do you think I'd be talking about? And also, the Don, you need to watch out because your rim seems to have a bit of dirt around it. Yeah. <laughs> Part of the course, really. I wouldn't be talking about your personal um, hygiene. I'd, in fact, be talking about the latest Need for Speed game. Uh, it's a reboot on PS4, Xbox One and PC. Gareth, you come across as someone who's not interested in that kind of street racing culture. <laughs> uh, that's correct. Yeah, but didn't you like it when they used to play rock music? When 
There was a bit of Marilyn Manson and stuff in uh, Midnight Club Free Dub Edition. I was always more of a burnout guy. Yeah. Because as soon as you put down the boost, it went. <laughs> that sort of stuff, wasn't it? Sure. Yeah. But um, <laughs> Need for Speed, it's it's kind of strange actually, in that you couldn't move for this sort of underground street racing culture back in the day with kind of Juiced. Um, do you remember Juiced? Awful game. Uh, Midnight Club. Oh, Juice 2. Project Gotham? Project Gotham. No, that wasn't really the street racing scene, was okay. it? Sorry, um, Gareth. I'm not being rude. A Need for Speed Underground. All of these games were coming out at the same time. There's others that I haven't mentioned yet. But when street racing seemed to get more mainstream with the Fast and the Furious and whatnot, they seemed to drop off rapidly, which sort of strange. It didn't sort of stay parallel with the craze at the time. Um, it seemed to... They have existed at different time periods, early 2000s and kind of late 2010 when it started picking up again. And now it's the brilliant time because I used to love tuning my car. I used to love making it look like a Christmas tree on wheels. Basically just getting those not fast cars, not cars that we all find exotic that we're never going to afford in our life, but just having a full Escort with a spoiler on it and some disgustingly beautiful rims. But that's probably because I grew up on a council estate unlike little Lord Don over there, who's probably never seen a spoiler in his life. Tell us a bit about it, Underground. Did you like it, Need for Speed Underground, not Medal of Honor Underground? None of it made sense to me, because, I mean, Bentleys and such don't come with such (laughs) disgusting extravagances, so... No, you weren't about... It just seems all very vile and council-y to me. Oh, good. Get that cock out of your throat. <laughs> what did we tell you about doing that whilst on the podcast? <laughs> I just I forget where I am sometimes. I know you do, Don, but that is your call because you're an adult. And like other adults, you've got to be very responsible when it comes to street racing. Uh, after the death of Paul Walker, very sad. Um, but Need for Speed, this time it had another reboot, and it's time that we went back to the streets, midnight racing, Let's get that spoiler on our Vauxhall Corsa and hopefully we'll be seeing more at E3 this year. Um, but a game that's already been out and Wild Hunt, uh, The Witcher 3, is the biggest launch of the year so far. So it's better than Destiny. That's basically what it's saying <laughs> under no uncertain circumstances. Well, that's um, this year, yeah, probably because Destiny came out last year. So Yeah, but it sold more than House of Wolves. But a DLC add-on pack, yeah, it probably would have. But what I'm saying, Gareth, is <laughs> if Destiny sold X amount more than The Witcher 3, we're talking about add-ons and the attachment rates to people that originally bought Destiny, which you have to buy it, unlike the free DLC that's coming with The Witcher. Well done, CD Project. It's not here yet, though. It's not here yet, Gareth, but you don't want it as soon as you've bought the game. There's enough in there without you saying, can we have some DLC packs now? Well, I'm just saying, you know, your chickens haven't hatched yet. Maybe don't More of yours! Oh. Where are your chickens, Gareth? I ate them. Exactly. You couldn't wait for them to hatch. <laughs> so you broke the bloody eggs over your knee and then suckled it out. But this is not surprising. What have we had this year so far? We were speaking about it the other day when I said to you, come on, what's come out this year that's actually any good? Apart from blood- hard life. <laughs> well done, Gareth. I sense a little bit of cheekiness coming from you there. Well, that's the um, old uh, best-selling game of the year so far, wasn't it? Tragically. Yeah. Don't be rude. 
Okay. It had its fans, and all, all, Battlefield Hardline was only ever going to be a stopgap before Battlefield Five. Um, we're going to talk about which three, obviously, a little later in the. <laughs> Sorry, we're going to speak about The Witcher Three a little later in the in the podcast. But thank you, everyone, for buying it. Um, <laughs> with E three just around the corner, uh, Advent is being teased by Two K. It's a new science fiction release. I actually think this is going to be Grand Theft Auto Five Six. Okay, <laughs> fifty six. Yeah, fifty six. It's going to be coming out in ten years. <laughs> or probably more than that. Um, but what are we saying about this, Gareth? Um, I mean, nothing about it so far sounds terribly original. Yeah. The description I've heard is uh, a futuristic science fiction game with a dystopian twist, which is like every second game that comes out nowadays. Or, but it's got to have a dystopian twist, or everyone would just be getting on all right together. True. You couldn't well, say be an interesting twist on games, wouldn't it? It's a bit like the human element. Could dystopian twist be the new human element? Maybe it's, it's set in the future, so obviously everything's fine there, right? Yeah. No, no, no. This one, this game, right? It's a bit of a dystopian twist. We need to get away from Blade Runner. We do, Gareth. There has to be a different vision of the future out there. Yeah, but we've just got to find it. I suppose this generation of consoles specifically, the developers will have all grown up with that kind of Blade Runner influence and things like that, and the Matrix and whatnot. Um, Borderlands, the Hanson collection, gets a very large patch. We're talking about 8 gigabytes here, and I like the way they've put Xbox 360 and PS3 also included. No, it's not. It's just so they don't have to say, oh, we messed up with the Xbox One and PS4 version and left some bugs in there. <laughs> Do you think so, Gareth? Um, Probably. That's a huge fucking patch. That is. That's, That's the size of game. most games. Yeah. And it's not even like they're adding much content. It's just like bug fixes and stuff. Yeah, and that's a lot of bug fixes. It's not like a new content or a new add-on pack like a House of Wolves which was about uh, 500 kilobytes. In it, done. <laughs> no. No. Yes, maybe. Yes. I'm not sure, but probably. Yeah. And uh, 8 gigabytes, like you say, if that's just to fix patches, that's a hell of a lot of patches. Yeah, it's probably just best to wait for the uh, Game of the Year edition of the Handsome Collection. Yeah, which will include... Uh, all patches, free <laughs> on the disc. <laughs> This is this is what makes me so reluctant to buy games when they as soon as they come out because you know it's been out a while now and to read that there's an eight gigabyte patch you just think to yourself oh are we safe anymore and it's like The Witcher Three I had to jump in I had to take the risk because it was getting such great reviews but um, yeah it's really is a minefield out there. Witcher so, Three is getting patched a lot on PC as well. Those patches yeah. will be coming to consoles I bet so. Hopefully. Yeah, that's to look forward to. Right. The new Humble Bundle, Humble Bumble, Humble Bumble, the new Humble Bundle includes a lineup of Nintendo 3DS and Wii U games. Uh, this hasn't really been done on consoles before, but you little PC guys, you gen, you you generally uh, have quite a few little Humble Bundles going on where you can pick up games for a pittance. Yeah, we're right, smug to us about it as well. Yeah. <laughs> so um, 
if you want to pay £10 or more, who's going to pay more than £10, though, Gareth? Do they sometimes get people paying more? Yeah, some people are quite generous. Strange, isn't it? <laughs> it kind of is. So Such if you pay more than the average price, you get the full Oli Oli and the first episode of Moon Chronicles, uh, in addition to Stolfink 2 and Steamworld Dig. Um, so hopefully it'll be quite nice, won't it? I mean, they seem to be sort of more arcade-style games, but I don't think the Xbox One has enough of a library to be able to add something similar, uh, maybe on the Xbox 360. But it's just putting games together that may not have sold well or they've already sold and the people that originally bought them have bought them and there's not really a market out there. Just bundle them with a few other games. Do it. It's for charity, isn't it? Yeah, uh, quite a lot of the money goes towards charity. And you can actually select which portion of your money goes to charity. So if you want your whole £10 to go to charity, then that's fine. You can do that. This sounds like a future that we can all be a part of, doesn't it? This doesn't sound dystopian at all. Uh, not yet. So Gareth, tell what's going on. It all, on. it all starts off quite nice, doesn't it? Oh, machines. It oh, that's that's quite nice. And then before you know it, bang, Skynet, bang, nukes, yep. bang, Terminators. So what Gareth is basically saying is if you support charities and give money to charities, Skynet will take over the internet. Word for word, that's what I said. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Resident Evil Zero remake announced for early 2016 launch. Is this getting a bit out of hand now, Don? I know um, you haven't read the news stories, but <laughs> looking at all these remakes being thrown about everywhere. It's uh, getting no more out of hand oh, that's than a it was. Loud, isn't it, Gareth? <laughs> Are you holding the tablet up to your face or something? No. no. I have moved for the last ten minutes. It just um, seemed very, very, very violent. No. <laughs> this... This is no more out of hand than it was the last four, four or five times we've said that this has been getting out of hand. Yeah. <laughs> but it's um, not allowed it's to just, do anything about it. It's not going to stop, is it? It's, the, it's not going to stop. There's such a, a history now of video games that can be remade uh, for a relatively low cost and that they know there's a massive portion of people out there who haven't played it or who still have interest in it or will collect it again in high definition or whatever. Um, they're just going to keep on doing it. So, it's not uh, a great game. Sorry? It's, it's not a great game, but having said that, it's probably the only Resident Evil that most people would not have played because it was an exclusive of the GameCube. It was, and I played it. I've got it. It was quite good. I quite yeah. liked it. The only thing I didn't like about it was the same thing I don't like about any Resident Evil game, and that is I Zombies. still don't understand what the fucking story is with no. Wesker and Umbrella and the labs and... The other people, there's like, what is the actual chronological story of Resident Evil? I want to know. Resident but, Evil Zero. No. <laughs> Resident Evil 1. Yeah. yeah. Resident Evil 2, but Resident Evil 3 overlaps it. Yes. What about Code Veronica X? Code Veronica X is after Resident Evil 3, when she's looking for Chris. So it's not Resident Evil no, 4? It's, it was supposed to be Resident Evil 4 originally. But Sony said that they wanted. Um, you know when you're trying to go into your brain, but there's a bit that's locked off because it's yeah, either been too long since you've been speaking about it. That's or... like trying to decipher all the notebooks and diaries and bits of information you find in all the Resident Evil games, and putting them into some sort of sense that 
So you can have a massive comprehensive narrative of the story of Resident Evil and Umbrella and Wesker and all the rest of it. They just don't know where it's going, do they, It Don? just makes no sense, and it's, uh, it annoyed me. That's the only thing that annoys me about all the games. But other than that, I've quite enjoyed them all. Well, um, if they could come out with a plan, and this is what I'm hoping from Capcom at, uh, thingy at E3, if they need to come out with a plan of where Resident Evil's heading, not where it's been. Yeah. Because I think, like myself, I'm a big fan of the series, uh, Resident Evil 4 and in particular Resident Evil 5, Resident Evil 5, you know, it was treated with a lot of disdain when it was released. But I think since Resident Evil 6 has been released, people look back and go, you know what, Resident Evil 5 wasn't actually that bad. Well, you know, if they're going to do this, then do the whole thing. Don't just do bits and pieces, piecemeal, here and there, as and when you feel like, you know, releasing the old games in dribs and drabs. They're maybe not even doing all of the, you know, maybe they won't do Nemesis. But they'll they have won't. Done, <laughs> they'll, have done, they'll have done one and zero. <laughs> and it's like... Nemesis just... get missed out, and it's like, what, just do them all, or don't bother. And also, it's... this this Zero remake will be the same as the remake they did for the the uh, original Resident remake. Yeah, I mean, it kind of it doesn't look that much more impressive than the GameCube version. It looked to my, to my eyes, it looks basically exactly the same on PS4 as it does on the GameCube. So, it's, it, and so that's all they're going to do. They've, they've got the, the GameCube ones they polished to a decent degree for the GameCube. They're just going to add that tiny little bit extra lighting for the new these new consoles, and that'll be it. They're not going to do Nemesis. They're not going to do. Um, they won't do the original one, two, and f- Nemesis three <laughs> because it'll be hard for them to sort of brush up or make it because they were PlayStation one games, uh, Resident Evil one remake and Resident Evil zero, a GameCube game. So they're very exactly. quite relatively easy to upscale because they weren't that bad looking of games anyway. Yeah, the animations exactly. was great. The background, the lighting was very good for the time. Um, I think what we may see at E3 is hopefully Resident Evil two and three remade in the new kind of style, but I don't know how much sense that makes or whether they'd go straight to Resident Evil seven. No, so they'll, just... they'll go straight to 7. I don't see them doing Resident Evil 2 or Nemesis after this. What about Resident Evil Kart? <laughs> <laughs> That's the logical explanation, Gareth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the Umbrella Chronicles or Dark Side Chronicles. They should bring out a light gun game. Yeah. I think right, guys, it will make more sense for them to make episodes like they did with Resident Evil Revelations 2 but set them in during Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3 and sort of have that over-the-shoulder perspective, fighting Nemesis and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I would like that a lot more than Resident Evil 7 because they basically need to get together again, discuss where it's going, see if they need to reboot the series because, like you say, it's just not very interesting anymore. You know, we've got the T-virus, the G-virus, the D-virus, the E-virus, the J-virus, the Z-virus. D-virus yeah. is my hip-hop name. There we go. (laughs) Okay, so Double Fine regains the rights to Iron Brigade. Now, Gareth, you absolutely love PC games. Tell us about Iron Brigade. Well, Iron Brigade came out in 2011. Fantastic. Kind of underrated, I think, under a lot of people's radar. It's a tower defense slash mech shooter game uh, with a really good sense of humor. You're fighting enemies that are made out of TVs. Is this um, a is this is there a deeper meaning behind it, Gareth? No, you're literally just making a big robot and then shooting some TV dinosaurs. 
I'm not saying that TVs are taking over our lives and stuff. Oh, maybe it is. I don't know. Oh, shit. Um, (laughs) It's pretty great, and it's kind of criminal. More people uh, didn't get to play it, and now this this deal means more people will, because now that they officially own the game uh, fully, like, they're going back into it, they're making all the matchmaking work with Steam, so... um, you know, potentially Steam Workshop support could be added in the f- near future, and finding multiplayer games is going to be easier. So, yeah, I do think tower defense games are marvelous. They're brilliant. I love them, um, but there's just not that many out there, especially for the next. They're not really kind of games that you can sell, are they? Let's be honest. Well, if you got a phone, there are a lot of tower defense games you could get. Give me one, Gareth. Uh, Kingdom Rush. Okay, and does that have loads of microtransactions? Uh, yeah, they're not mandatory, but, but if you if you want to give them a few pounds, they won't say no, you know what I mean? I know what you're saying, mate. Yeah. Uh, talking about giving a few pounds, uh, if there ever was a game that no one asked for, it's Darksiders 2, definite, they spelled definitive, definitive edition, so that's quite funny. Uh, that's no coming soon to PS4, apparently. Now, I played Darksiders 1, absolutely loved it. I thought it was a very underrated gem on the Xbox 360. Yeah. Darksiders 2, sort of, you liked it as well, did you, Gareth? The original Darksiders, yeah, it was one of the best yeah. Zelda games I'd ever played. Thank you very much. It, it, but towards the end, I got a bit annoyed when they started trying to pretend to be Portal. Yeah, that was weird. That was really weird. It was like the game took a whole tonal shift into a more puzzle-based game, and I don't think I completed it from then. Because basically up until that point, okay, it taxed your brain a little bit, but it was very satisfying combat and stuff like that. And then it kind of asked you to start using your brain. I was like, whoa, I didn't sign up for this. See you later. It was so unashamed with it as well. It was like, uh, here's the portal gun. Just, you know what this is. Just go ahead. Yeah. It was like, what the fuck? I was like, I didn't pay Paul. I didn't play Portal for this very reason. The fact that you've just slammed it on towards the end doesn't make me want to play it anymore. But uh, Darksiders 2, it, it was a game that I played briefly, but it strayed so far away from the original game, sort of the the setup of it and the uh, the um, my god, the it begins with a C. It's a really simple word that I can't think of. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm not just saying say any word you can think of beginning with Church. C. No. Ceiling. No. Cops. It's sort of like the structure, that's it. Doesn't begin with C. Uh, <laughs> structures of the game were just based so loosely. And even then, even if Darksiders 1 Definitive Edition was released, even though I love the game, I still wouldn't be interested in it. So that just seems like a bit of a, a weird one. Do you know what I'd be interested in? Fucking Darksiders 3. Exactly. I think that's what everyone's asking for. Um, but I think it was THQ, wasn't it? And the, the company, the, the well, I think they were the publisher actually, and it was bought by another studio. Yeah. Um, and I think they also bought the rights to Saints Row as well. This studio. Um, so it's weird that they haven't actually really released anything as of yet. But they, what two things they have done is the Saints Row definitive edition, and now they're looking to do dark, the same with Darksiders as well. Mm. So. Maybe they're trying to hire for making the next Darksiders or Saints Row. Oh man, that first Darksiders ends so epically. Well, I didn't get there, Gareth, because of the whole pulp business. Well, the thing is, that the, the first Darksiders has an incredibly epic ending, and then the second one is just a side story, so you don't even find out what happened. 
This makes you sick, doesn't it? It's like six years later or some shit now, and I still don't know what happens after. Oh, try oh. playing Shenmue then, Gareth. All right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So Sony's E3 2015 conference will be streamed in cinemas across the US. Well, do not people in the US not have laptops? I don't think it's the sort of thing you go to to see at the cinema, do you? You two seem to be just as confused as I am. <laughs> I'm quite confused. Yeah. I mean, it would be nice if you could watch the whole of E3 and it was kind of scheduled and then you could have some, some nice dinner while you're watching it, you know. But just to go there for one conference seems a bit strange. Um, are they going to give away free PlayStation 4s to everyone? What's the incentive, Gareth? Come on. I give me an incentive. We're going to talk about Sony's uh, potential press conference later on, but, I mean, it's going to be hardcore Sony fanboys. People yeah. like Don, who own a PS4. Yeah, and play uh, Destiny. Yep. That's a very niche section, Yeah, the, the PlayStation 4 owners that just play Destiny. Don might be the only one. Yeah, he'll just be sitting there on his own. My own personal conference. <laughs> My own personal <laughs> conference. Someone to hear your prayers. Someone who's there. <laughs> right, so did you buy Halo, um, Halo Master Chief Collection when it first came out on Xbox One? Did you feel like a bit of a knob? Well... According to a listing on the Xbox website, the 8 gigabyte download, which is only 0.1 gig bigger than the entirety of Borderlands patch, will be available from May 29th. So if you bought the game when it was first released, the Master Chief Collection, um, you can get it for free, which is very nice. But again, it was one of the reasons I traded it in because it was so broken. Uh, But will it work? You know, I think... I don't know. We haven't had any updates, Gareth. Is the Master Chief Collection Online still damaged? Yes. It's not yeah. It's not working perfectly, for sure. <laughs> so let's but, just add some more stuff to go towards it. Yeah. Fantastic. There's been more updates to that game than there have been Rocky sequels. Six. <laughs> I think it's six. There's a new one coming out, isn't there? Creed. Yeah. yeah. Which is is nice. He takes his Apollo's Creed son under his wing. And his says, bingo I beat wing. Your father up. I'm going to beat you up yeah. too. <laughs> if he dies, he dies. That's yeah, what even then Drake I got involved with some bunch of Russians who killed him. Yeah, that was me, bastard. What happened? <clears throat> Creed got killed by uh, Ivan Drago. And Rocky. Yeah, in the ring. Oh, yeah, but you know, it was Rocky's fault that he ended up fighting him. Okay. Well, I think I could have just been making up at this point. I think you are. It sounds like the sort of thing that would have happened, especially with uh, that guy. Right <laughs> there we go. That's the news for this week. Uh, it's all building up nicely for E3, isn't it? No, it's not. <laughs> so let's go on to our feature. Hello everybody, it's time for your weekly video game music section with me, Gareth. Uh, This song came out last week. Uh, I would have played it last week, but I just fancied a bit more Hotline Miami too. (laughs) Um, This is actually uh, a new track by Nobuo Uematsu, obviously the famous uh, composer of all the music behind Final Fantasy series and other games uh, as well as those. Uh, But this is a new track by him, and it's the theme for Heavensward the uh, expansion for Final Fantasy XIV in the MMO. Um, 
the track is called what's it called if I had it let me look at it Dragon Song um, and it's sort of it's not quite as um, sort of composy as you're probably expecting uh, it sounds a bit more almost like a pop song because there are lyrics and there is some singing but it still maintains that sort of grandeur and epicness that the Final Fantasy soundtracks are very well known for so this is from Final Fantasy XIV Heavensward, which is the expansion. It's by Nobuo Uematsu, and the song is called Dragon Song.
At this point, apart from a few leaks, E3 seems very much based on speculation right now, but we have never really been ones to speculate. We're not going to sit here and argue about the chances of Shenmue 3 or Half-Life 3 being announced. We're here to talk about cold, hard facts. What has Sony's PlayStation year been like up until now? Where is it headed? And are the likes of Uncharted 4 really the future? How would we know? But let's analyse the facts. So Gareth, Don, PlayStation, how has this year been? Let's start with you, Gareth. What is your image of PlayStation right now? Um, I kind of look at it as a bit of a failed year for Sony. Uh, they had everything going for them after last year. Their last press conference was just games, 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 games. And then over the past year, you could count the number of it, like exclusive games that have come out on less than one hand. Like it's just been yeah. such a disappointing year for them. And like they showed all these indie games. Like they spent probably 20 odd minutes of the last conference just talking about indie games and then those yeah. come and go in like a week and then no one's talking about them again but let's, let's look at that that was more like a tactical play on Microsoft's press conference wasn't it oh yeah big time and you yeah. know they spent a lot of time talking about like No Man's Sky which we have no idea when that's coming out and don't even know what it's about do we Gareth no really no so it just seems like no. They sort of did everything right last year, but then there was absolutely no follow-up at all. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what what we're talking about, Don. You're the one of us that owns the PlayStation 4. That's that console that you play Destiny on. Oh, the Destiny machine. The des- the Destiny machine. What is your view of the Destiny machine <laughs> this, this year? How's it been? Well, I've obviously got a slightly skewed view of it, seeing as I've no. played a few games on it since September last year. Um, but no, but, but Don, let me just stop there. Yeah. I know it sounds rude, but isn't that in itself a commentary on how it's been? No. The fact because... that you've been quite happy to sit there and play one game. Uh, and there's it... been nothing else to come on. There hasn't, there hasn't not been... Not been... Many. That is a There's total not, mess. Not there hasn't any, not been not been not. Hasn't not been nothing else. Because no. there have been other games, Bloodborne as a case in point, game which I own and have played. I just haven't played more of it because I'll keep on playing Destiny, mainly because the way my time has uh, worked itself out over the last, uh, last seven or eight months. But that's not, you know, there's um, that. I know The Witcher has only just come out. Um, but, um, I mean, yeah, it has been quite slow in terms of the games we're coming out, I guess you would maybe presume there'd be a few, a few more original IPs out by this time, or at least exclusive IPs out at this time. Yeah. Um, why is that? Uh, I have no freaking idea. It's, uh, it's a bit of a strange one. It's the same, seems to be the same across the whole industry, though. There's not much new happening. And if there is, it's not happening very fast. It's happening very slowly. Yeah. Although we have had about 400 uh, racing car games. So maybe that's where everything was that's happening. But, but this, this is the thing. It seems that the, it's set up for one company, be that Nintendo, Microsoft, or PlayStation, to do something special to really take it to the other. But no one seems to have that sort of ace up their sleeve to do it. And I think, for me, this generation seems to start with an absolute crawl for all of the companies. I think it's just starting to pick up. It, it seems that it isn't a case of who is best, but who is the least worse if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, no one is totally out there in the lead with great software, and there's a there's a, there's an argument to make for each console of why it's the best, and everyone is valid in their own judgments. But there is, 
you're telling them why it's the best rather than well it's a bit obvious that it's the best kind of like the playstation 2 was back in uh, the generation before last um, yeah. but what has sony done to push the console ahead is it even possible nowadays um to impress gamers or to give them something this generation that's going to make them go whoa you know uh, we, i think we're part the stage of we're able to, to be have our mind blown by companies if we look at what they've had this year we've had the Order 1886, Drive Club and Bloodborne <clears throat> uh, these are exclusives and apart from Bloodborne it's very hard to get excited isn't it? And I'm not talking as a fanboy of Xbox, I love gaming and I've owned most of the consoles regardless of brand and believe me if there was a game on the Playstation 4 that I needed to play I would have begged, stilled and borrowed uh, to get one. I had one at launch uh, but after playing Shadowfall uh, Killzone, I just lost all enthusiasm and I sold it and I said, if I need to get a PlayStation at some point in the future, if there's a reason, then I will get one. It doesn't matter. But um, what do they have to do this year, Gareth, Don, at E3? Uh, we've got the likes of Street Fighter Five, Uncharted 4, uh, Ratchet and Clank. They're big exclusives. Yeah, but they're all, again, sequels. Yeah, and they're going to be very similar to the previous game games because they can't stray too far from the originals, otherwise they'll alienate yeah. the original fan base. I mean, they do have games like Until Dawn finally coming out. I think this has been one of the biggest problems is it's taken them a lot longer to get games mm. out than they maybe anticipated, um, or than they claimed at least. So, I mean, things like Drive Club they'll come out, but it obviously wasn't ready, and they still haven't released the PS Plus version, which they promised <laughs> at, at launch. At launch. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, for free. So that still doesn't exist. Uh, why? God knows. I don't know why. There can't be that many people playing Drive Club, but it can't handle a few more PS Plus uh, yeah. people. If people really wanted it by now, they would have paid the 20 quid that you can pick it up for nowadays. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know what they're waiting for on that, that front. But Until I... Dawn looks really interesting. Um, but there's, I don't know of any other new... new well, there's new uh, Hellblade... Uh, which inspired the makers of Devil May Cry and Enslaved Ninja Theory. Yeah. Well, there was supposed to be, uh, what's it called, Deep Down? That was uh, another game they showcased. Again, that's another one that looked really, uh, really interesting, but that has kind of vanished. No one's heard from them, but I think about it for almost a year. Yeah. Uh, But that's the thing, isn't it? There's, There's nothing there. There's no original games. Yeah, so they need to basically... I think invest in new games, build new characters, new genres. We don't, what I don't want to see is Uncharted 4, God of War 4. I think that's what no one wants to see. As much as we love Uncharted, when there was stuff like Killzone, even though Killzone didn't turn out to be as great as it could have been on the PlayStation 2, there was this real investment in it and there was a buzz behind it in the fact that it seemed that Sony believed in it and, you know, you would read about it in magazines, it would be online, people would be like, is this the Halo beta? I think you don't seem to get that anymore. You don't seem to get, is this going to be a Halo beta? Is this going to be it? You know, Destiny, that had a big hype about it. And let's not go into whether it's good or bad, Don. No, that's not. Some would say that it wasn't as good as it should have been. And it was basically put out there. But it does what it sets out to do. You know, you guys are enjoying it. And at the end of the day, that's what games are. But especially for me with PlayStation, PlayStation used to be such a big brand. It used to have such an identity, especially towards the end of the 90s and the early 2000s. 
it was the PlayStation 1 and then the PlayStation 2. They had such a hold on the industry because they had a brand identity. And I think that's what PlayStation's sort of losing at the moment in that they've let a lot of their exclusives go, kind of like Devil May Cry, Metal Gear Solid, Resident Evil. These are really big exclusives that if they still had, obviously for financial reasons, studios can't afford to just stay with one console. But if you invest the money in keeping Metal Gear Solid an exclusive, keeping Devil May Cry an exclusive, keeping Resident Evil exclusive, surely that would reflect in people buying the console. Because if there was only one place you could play those games, you know, we're talking about exclusives now. We're only really talking about Halo, Gears of War and stuff like that. And we'll go on to them when we talk about Microsoft. But the PlayStation brand's changed a lot, hasn't it? Yeah, I think it's harder to keep studios Unless you outright buy a studio now, it's much, yeah. much harder to get them to give you exclusive games. They're doing pretty well, and well, both of companies are really, you know, they, the most they can do is get exclusive content, you know, or timed content for, for their particular platform. Um, yeah. Which both of them seem to have done pretty well for certain games, but it's not even lasting that long at the moment. I mean, look at, um, oh Christ, what was that game that's coming out first? Oh, is it Battlefront? Star Wars Battlefront that's coming yeah. out first on Xbox. It's for literally a day. Yeah. It, literally a day. And it's like, well, <laughs> it makes zero difference to anyone at this point. That's the thing. But, yeah, so unless they're going to buy studios, it's almost impossible for them to, to um, unless they're going to chuck a ton of money at them, in which case they might as well buy them, um, get them to just have uh, games exclusively for, for a single platform. And studios can't afford it either. Studios need that, that extra um, player base. <clears throat> yeah and and this is the thing it's uh that they they tend not to make their own games anymore like microsoft the two consoles yeah you know so you're getting everything appearing on both consoles and it's it's now just come to a point where it's a matter of taste or it's that one literally one game on a console that makes you choose that one over another um yeah that, that's literally it it's either it's either you want halo or you want bloodborne it's one of those two as a choice <laughs> You know. Yeah, well, specifically if, you know, we've got driving, you either want Forza or you want Drive Club. Yeah. You know, we've got those first-person shooters, you either want Killzone or you want Halo. So they've got their brands where they sort of clash head-on, where they seem to be battling, but no one's taking that sideways. And I think with the likes of Ratchet & Clank, this could be a kind of sideway in because they need to focus on their strengths, whereas... The Xbox never really had very many good platformers. And I think if they started to invest in the likes of Jack and Daxter again, Ratchet and Clank, I love those games. And I still play them now on the PS Vita, which is a criminally underrated um, handheld, as we all know. But it seems that stuff like that has really got neglected, especially last generation. I know Ratchet and Clank was still around on the PlayStation 3, but... Let's get going. Let's get a few more platformers going. Let's have more of a diverse range of games. Games you didn't even know that you would like. And I think that's the same with Jack and Daxter. I bought Jack 2 Renegade thinking, oh, this looks a bit babyish, but I'll try it. And I was absolutely hooked and I played the others as well. It's having that broad range of games to play, games that you may not have played, but you think, oh, I'll just try it because you never know. It seems that consoles are very set in their ways now in what they want to do. But, Gareth, I wanted to ask, what does Sony need to do to make you buy a PlayStation 4 this year? Um, well, for me personally, it's if they come out and they say, 
No Man's Sky. Here's a release date, and it's exclusive to PS4. So we're not doing the PC one anymore. Then I would be like, fuck. Because <laughs> that's like the only game I care about in like the next year or so. Yeah. Um, I think that would go a long way as well. If they came out and maybe gave a release date for the PS4 version and just didn't mention PC for a couple weeks, yeah, that would get a lot of people's attention. Maybe get a few people's backs up as well. Uh, but in a good way. Um, cause get that, people's backs up in a good way. Yeah, because it'd get PC gamers a bit agitated, you know. Maybe they'd be thinking, maybe I should get a PS4. Cause this... People are, are excited about that game coming out on PC. And if it's yeah. not going to, or there's even a hint that it might not, you know. It makes people doubt, second guess, gets people talking. Uh, for me, that's, that's going to be another... F- Focal point for Sony in this press conference. And we've not heard any details about that game for a long time, so potentially yeah. they've been saving it all up for this. Hopefully they'll give us a bit of a walkthrough as well and show us what it's actually about and what you can do and why you're there, rather than these concept videos that are very abstract. They are very abstract. I like that, though. I like yeah, just... You can't just play an abstract game, Gareth, for... 50 hours and then just go, oh, I don't know what's going on, but uh, something about my nan's dog, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's it's not going to brush. And, you know, for you guys, like you said, last year they were talking very heavily about being invested in the indie scene, which I think was a quick knee-jerk response to Microsoft and people saying, oh, Microsoft Conference wasn't really talking about indie developers. PS4 kind of put it together overnight, you know, as saying, look at us. This year, they've really got to kind of stick to what they're saying rather than just baseless promises and abstract gaming ideas. Because there's there's guys out there, like you say, Gareth, they like these games, these games, and they will buy a PlayStation 4 to play those games rather than the big budget ones. And that's what PlayStation Sony have to come up with this year. Is how you may not like these AAA games, you may see them as a bit casual, but this is also going to be a machine where you can play up to 100 indie games this year. Yeah, they can come out and say, you know, sure, we didn't deliver like a new Uncharted or anything like that last year, but here's the slate of indie games you've already brought out. Here's the ones still coming out. And just if you recognize like two or three games in the ones they've already brought out, it's like, oh, people are talking about that. That one's supposed to be good. You know, it just sort of puts you in the right mindset. Whereas last year it was, if you remember, it was just a montage of like 50 different games, none of which you'd heard of. And it was like... With music going... Yeah, it was just overwhelming. Uh, yeah. So they kind of need to take their time, slow it down a bit. They had a bit where, like, there was like a wall of screens, like six or seven screens. People came out, walked in front of every single screen, and were playing a different game on each screen at the same time. And yeah. It's like sensory overload. Just slow it down, show us what we can actually play and enjoy, and then maybe you'll get people excited about specific things instead of in general. And that's, and that's what be. we're saying is like. Um especially with indie games, you can't just put a a collage together and expect people to understand because indie games, by their very nature, are mainly focused on one central premise. And if you've got sort of a two-second video of a man running around a screen with loads of balls shooting at him, you're like, oh, great, fantastic. (laughs) It's it's not like The Order or something like that. You can show these beautiful graphics and then people go, oh, that looks a bit like Gears of War. I can imagine how that's going to play. I'm going to like that. Yeah. When it's one central idea, you need to hear the idea for you to then think, hmm, maybe I will like that. 
Yeah, like, do you remember, this is a couple of years ago now, and it's not Sony, so my apologies, but, like, uh, Cliff Brzezinski came out, and he was like, okay, we've been working on this new game, it's going to be an Xbox Live Arcade yeah. game, Shadow Complex, and everyone's like, okay. They spent, like, ten minutes playing it, yeah, and it looked fucking awesome. It yeah. was like a Metroid-style game, but in new graphics, and the shooting was really cool, and, like, if that had just been two seconds of a press conference montage, like, guy running to the side, shooting things, you'd be like, I don't give yeah. a fuck. Because yeah. they spent that little bit of extra time on it, you just you were looking forward to it. When it finally came out, you're at a point where you're like, "Oh shit, that's finally out!" Yes. Yeah, they've got to understand that there's an audience for them games. Yeah, put a bit of gravitas behind. And a rather than game. just say, "Oh yeah, exactly," and don't just say, "Oh, we know a few of you like indie games." Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> now on to something else. Yeah. So, uh, but for me, I think that they've got to start. Focusing on those platform games, which Sony are very good at. I know Naughty Dog are focused on Uncharted, but let's get Crash Bandicoot going again. Let's get uh, Ratchet and Clank going again. Let's get Jack and Daxter going again and really celebrate these characters because platform gaming, if you could get these big open worlds that they were showing in Jack and Daxter 2 and 3, and Ratchet and Clank have these big open worlds again, all these metropolis cities and these lush environments, jungle environments, that would be brilliant because... Lego Star Wars and games like that, they're, they're very popular. They're ridiculously popular, but they're the only sort of games that cater for that genre at the moment. And what I've got a problem with is I can't sit and play them because I find them too easy. But Jack and Daxter and Ratchet and Clank can sometimes be very challenging. And uh, I think that's what is needed, especially with a lot of people coming into games now. Sort of my, my, my sister... All my sisters, really, my sister's friends and younger people who are in a sort of 24, 23 age, uh, their memories were Crash Bandicoot on the PlayStation 1, Rayman, games like this. And uh, I think there's a lot more gamers out there that you could kind of grasp. We're not talking about these games that everyone can play or what the girls like, but sort of Crash Bandicoot was a big hit. And girls do like Crash Bandicoot. They liked Rayman and things like that. And I'm not being sexist, Gareth. Okay. But they did like it. My sister <laughs> absolutely loved Crash Bandicoot. And you probably know a few people that's first game in memories was on the PlayStation 1 on Crash Bandicoot or Spyro or any number of those kind of games. And that's, I think that's what we're missing now. My girlfriend swears that Crash Team Racing is a good game. Exactly. Oh, there you go. Because wrong. they love it. She is wrong. <laughs> She's wrong about a lot of things. She's never played Mario Kart, and I was like, Mario Kart is like a thousand times better than Crash Team Racing. And she was like, I've never played it. So it's like, oh. Did you let her play Mario Kart? No, she's not allowed. <laughs> okay. She won't appreciate it like I will. So, Don, what is what does Sony have to do this E3 to stop you playing Destiny? <laughs> Shoot me in the face. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that could work actually uh, uh, they don't have to do anything I just have to move on of my own accord because I have plenty of games I need to play I've got Far Cry 4, I've got Bloodborne yeah but what do they Wolfenstein. have to do? They, they don't they, they don't need to do anything no they do really um, yeah they've got to give us some firm release dates uh, for some of these other games, like No Man's Sky, like some of the um, some of the bigger indie titles that looked really impressive at the last year's E3, that have just now kind of vanished. No one's heard from for ages. 
because the impression they gave us was that this stuff is basically imminent, either, either imminent or or yeah. you know within a few months of of you getting hold of your console. But all of it seems to have just been quick put together two screens of a game, and we can chuck it on the screen to show everybody. By the sounds of it, um, what was that? What was what? Sounded like your bum did a squeak. That would be quite impressive considering the distance between the mic and my bottom. Yes, that it. <laughs> it's probably in your colon. <laughs> oh dear. I think it's because I, I have a PS4. Sony don't need to do as much as okay. like Microsoft might because I'm already Microsoft. a customer. Microsoft. Because yeah. uh, I'm already a customer and I, I've already gone for the PS4. You know, they've been expanding the, the abilities of the console over the. It must know, be something year. you want, Don. Like, as a Microsoft, as a, I've got an Xbox One, but I know what I want from them. I've, the stuff that I want is already available. I just haven't got it yet. That's the problem. GTA Five, I want that, but I'm, I haven't played it yet. I want to get it and I want to play it, but I haven't yet because of you know other things, you know. Not other things, Destiny, and I think you are a very <laughs> specific type of. I think person. I'm probably the worst person to ask about what Sony should do. Bungie at this, loves you. At this point in time, Bungie fucking Love loves you. Me up. They, they want love you. They want, they want people like you, and they want to keep you. So it doesn't matter what anyone else does, they'll keep feeding you that good shit. <laughs> and you are their bitch. You're like a crack... A crack bitch. You know, like, when the pimps get the women hooked yeah. on crack... And then the women are like, I need to get away from this life. But they're still drawn back to the crack. So they become <laughs> dependent. So you keep doing what uh, a bit Bungie want you to do, is keep on playing. You go away, and they'll give you a little bit more of that good shit. And then you'll come back. Okay? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Thank you very much. Right, so that's it. E3, Sony, what we're looking forward to, uh, what we want, and what we hope will come along. But uh, next week we'll be speaking about Nintendo and let's hope they have got a little trick or two up their sleeve. Probably not. Two is an exclusive docudrama set in a hip Mayfair tea room. Only people from London are allowed to take part in the discussion of a bygone era and bathe in the rays of days gone by. <coughs> Hi Don. Hello. How are you? Just uh, having a cup of tea. Very well, thanks. Oh, not yet, you've just come in. Traffic was awful, wasn't it? Yeah, the trains were on strike yet a fucking again. Yeah. Lucky we were only walking distance from this exclusive Mayfair tea room. There you go, I ordered the tea before you got here. Oh, thanks. Perfect. Earl Grey, I presume. Mm. <sighs> Don, do you remember when sweets used to have, uh, used to be wrapped in foil? <laughs> No. You do, don't you? No, I'm talking Foil. about milky bars. 
they had oh the, yes yeah, they had the the paper outside but then on yeah. the inside the actual Kit Kats was... Milky Bars exactly yeah. same as with Kit Kats what's the big idea Don where's that all gone I presume it was to do with hygiene, whereas uh, now no one gives a shit, so they dumped it. <laughs> so, so what was what was so hygienic about it? Because sometimes you'd go into a sweet shop, and because they'd been quite rough with the Kit Kats, the, the sort of edge of the foil had been come away. It had been torn away a little bit, hadn't it? And then you try and yeah. wouldn't want to touch that one for fear of contamination. Yeah, or you it was do... always fun to kind of smooth out the tin foil over the shape of the chocolate, and you get like the name of it printed through. Yeah. On the tin foil and stuff like that. That was the best part of it, to be honest. That yeah, you could slide your fingernail down the middle of a Kit Kat and then break it open. That was fun. Sounds quite erotic, actually. When you it, was say it, like that. it was a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I, just, I just don't know what's happened. I was looking at all the sweets the other day, and maybe it was more expensive because foil is quite expensive, isn't it? It's like tin, it's a metal, so. Yep. And uh, I suppose they just—it's a lot easier just to do a normal packet. Put one piece down, the next piece gets popped on top and glued together at both ends. There yeah. you go. It's, uh, you've got a packet. And for our sort of younger listeners, I'm not talking about Yorkies where you've kind of got that shiny foil on the inside. Yeah, We're doesn't... talking about actual foil, aren't we, Don? Yep, actual tin foil wrapping up around your sweets. People did say that it was to discourage drug addicts because when they were burning the heroin and stuff, they used to buy a cheap Kit Kat or a cheap um, milky bar. They used to be about 25, 35p back then. Not talking about the 70 odd p they are now. And they used to <laughs> use the foil in there to burn the crack and stuff like that. I don't know how it's done before they inject it. My mate yeah. Gareth knows all that, but he's not hes not um, allowed to come to this exclusive Mayfair establishment. Yeah, he knows about drugs. Is he, is he Northern? <laughs> yeah, he's Northern. They know all about the drugs in the North, don't they? They do. It's the only way they get by, though, in life, so... Yeah, you've got to be out of it. He sleeps most of the time as well through the hardship and pain that he encounters every day. Yeah, that's the calm down for you, I suppose. Anyway, I've got to be off now, mate. Oh, very good show. Thanks for the tea. You're awesome. welcome. Uh, sure. next, same time next week? Uh, indeed, sir. Thank you very much, Don. Bye-bye. Oh, well. Bye-bye. Playing like anyone in this world, we like to play games. Uh, Don's been playing Destiny. Just get out of the way now. Don, how's yep. House of Falls, mate? Is it any good? How are the space elves? <laughs> the space elves are, are marvelous. Thanks. They're living in their little space hutches. Fantastic. Uh, which is where space elves live. And uh, so, drinking their space elf wine. What me and Gareth really want to know, obviously, is we're all so invested in the story behind Destiny. Obviously. <laughs> House of Wolves, what else, what have we learned that's new about the story that is Destiny? House of Wolves DLC is um, very much an add-on add-on rather than an expansion. Really? Add-on. In, a se- in, the sto- in the sense of the st- when it comes to story, yes. It's, basically, it's a kind of side story rather than a continuation of the grander story of Destiny. Like what the is Traveller. the grander story of Destiny? The grander story of Destiny is the darkness versus the Traveller, and when the fuck is that all going to kick off? 
because that was the whole point of us buying the game in the goddamn first place, Bungie, and nothing has happened with this fucking traveller. He never even moved for the entire game. What the hell? <laughs> That's what the original story was about. Um, the House of Wolves is a, a side quest that was picked up from um, one of the... I was going to say main characters, but that would be a lie. Um, because uh, the Queen gets introduced into the main Destiny story uh, at a point where you and that, that you, you think you're about a tenth of the way through the game. And you go, oh, cool, there's this, uh, this other race that we've gone out to now. They've, uh, they've clearly shown there's some hostility between them and the humans. There's some backstory clearly here. They know some shit that we don't know. They're a bit sly and, and um, secretive. We're obviously going to go now and find out a whole bunch of cool new narrative about subplots and uh, backhanded stuff that's going on behind the scenes and you know who really can we trust and all that kind of stuff. But instead, of course, the game just ends. Um, so, but, but from that meeting of the Queen, you find that she has this House of Wolves. She basically took over one of the fallen houses when she uh, killed the boss of them, basically. Um, but they've now betrayed her, and uh, they've all fucked off to try and uh, join all the other house wolves together that were on. Sorry, all the other fallen together who are on Earth and Venus. So that's where the story kicks off. Really, you are just basically um, asked by the Queen to come along and get revenge on these uh, the fallen House of Wolves who have betrayed her. Uh, and that is this little safe, self-contained story within itself. It's got a leader called Skolas, and you, through the story missions, you chase him down and eventually recapture him and stick him in a prison called the Prison of Elders. So that story then is kind of a little... It resolves itself. You are tasked with finding this dude and his, uh, his captains and minions and stuff. You go out, do those missions to do that, and you do that, you complete it. But can you do it again and again? Story. You, well, you can well like any game. Oh, you can replay. God. You can replay the levels in it, like you can yeah. in any game. Yes, indeed, of course you can. Um, so that's kind of that. But as a, as a piece of self-contained story, it works. It goes through some repeated environments, as you'd be surprised to hear, really? uh, and through oh. some new uh, newer environments, which are actually some of the better environments. The stuff they've they've, uh, they've added on, um, added onto it because they make them a little bit more interesting. They've got platformy kind of. Platformy sections in FPS, yes. Platformy sections in FPS, um, and they're a bit, and you know, they look, they look fucking good as well. I don't want to give too much away if you haven't played it, but you go to a certain area of the game you may not be expected to go to, and everyone goes, "Ooh, look where we are! This is amazing." Uh, <clears throat> so that's the story side of it. Um, the rest of the actual DLC stuff um, expands on it with uh, new gear, new weapons, uh, a new light level um, or level cap, whatever you want to call it. Um, and bounty quests and a, a an end game <clears throat> section called Prison of Elders, which has replaced the raid because there is no actual raid per se uh, in the House of Wolves. Exactly. And what about the guns, Don? The guns are nice, I, but some of the new guns and new armor, the new armor especially, um, is particularly particularly cool. All the new guns are well, there's there's new the same as they did with the uh, the Dark Below DLC. There's new Vanguard and new faction weapons for all the vendors. Um, there's new uh, legendary weapons that are just from the uh, from the reef from the queen, uh, and there's a whole bunch of other ones that you can only get through doing a certain PvP special section called the Trials of Osiris, which is a weekly event that begins on Friday and ends on Monday night. I have a question. Yes. Can you, like, with a hundred percent accuracy, tell us how many types of currency are currently in Destiny? <sighs> I could attempt to add them up for you. Go on. 
there's a, at a simple and just a really quick guess, approximately 10. That's a lot. And at the moment, what they've done to deal with that, because they've realized they fucked up with that, especially by adding specific um, materials that only apply to certain items that are only available in the Crota raid, for example. Um, so take over the fact you're going to end up with this stuff, therefore being useless after a while. Um, you, they've now added it so you can exchange any material or currency item for other material or currency items that you do actually need for other parts of the of the game. But that's that's not helping. That's well, it helps in that you can actually get rid of the stuff you don't need and exchange it for stuff that you can actually now well, use. Then why like... did they just add more currencies that you can just they... exchange the old currencies for? Why not just keep Go the on, old Gareth. currencies? Well, the, 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 the exchangeable stuff is the stuff that they've the stuff they've added is specific to. And I'm trying to think when you say currency, what currencies they've actually added. What they've actually added are armor cores and weapon cores, which are actually um, not so much currencies as they are uh, items you just um, are only available to trade with this one dude who gives you a certain item each week. So they're kind, it's kind of like a weekly thing. You can, you can get one of these items, like a weapon core and an armor core. You can win one each week. And each week, this guy called Varix, who's one of the fallen dudes who now owns a shop, um, he will trade that for you one each week for a particular piece of armor, which again changes every single week. So if you earn it that week, you can exchange it for a particular piece of armor that he will have for you, which is the new level cap armor as well. Okay. Um, you can also ascend um, one piece of like a it's not it's not currency, but it's a material um, which has been essential and really much needed. Was uh, I think called a ferric light they've added, which means you can now ascend any piece of legendary armor from any time in the game to the f- maximum level cap just by adding one of these etheric light items uh, and it will take it straight up so there's none of this fucking upgrading the thing again and again and there's no everybody using trying to get the exact same pieces of armor from one place because that's the only max level armor you can have whatever armor you want you can start max out you know different helmets and whatever based on whatever you want so you can you can all look different finally um, and it doesn't matter that you haven't done a raid to get the max armor because you can ascend your other armor to max level and, uh, and be able to participate in the Prison of Elders max uh, level 35 game at the end. Yeah, so they've kind of done the best of a bad job, really, in terms of the, the uh, all the exchange currencies and stuff. They've had to do find a way to not just remove stuff because then people who are coming new to the game or have had the game for a short amount of time would end up with stuff that they couldn't do anything with or it would suddenly ruin the game for those people. So they've had to do what they can to make sure those people can still play the game as well as sort out the slight mess they made with having too many bits of currency that were only applicable to a few items of gear in the first place. Um, and they've done that pretty much as, as well as could be done, to be honest. Um, there was no other way of treating it. But at least we, you know, we can actually do something with it all now. Um, yeah, so there's two kind of main game activities that came with it. It's Prison of Elders, which is the replacement for the raid. Um, it's essentially, I guess you call it horde mode, um, where you have four rounds uh, in an arena, um, fighting that's, off different. That's not what horde mode is. Is it not? I've no idea what you would call horde mode, but horde mode it's... is basically the everyday part of Destiny. <laughs> where you start shooting and then wave after wave of enemy come after you until they all fall down dead. Yeah, well, kind of, it's sort of a bit like that because you have three in each of the four rounds. 
there's three waves of enemies. Um, one is just a wave of enemies, and then the next one is a wave of enemies with certain other tasks you have to complete, like there's mines you have to uh, defuse or destroy. There's a certain target you have to destroy within a time limit. Um, those kind of things. And if you fail to do those, then you fail. Uh, you fail that round, and you have to do it again. Um, then at the then the fifth round is kind of a boss uh, a boss round. So you have to uh, defeat that, obviously, to then complete that part of the uh, part of the prison of elders. Um, there's a tw- there's level twenty eight, which is matchmaking. So you don't need your mates to play it, and you can get rewards from that every single week. Um, and the levels on that, the final boss at the end, and the levels are <clears throat> are randomised. So you'll get a different boss. Um, if you keep on playing it, you'll get different bosses to play. Um, and then they've got level 32, 34, and 35 um, after that, which have rotating bosses. Each week, there's there's like six, five, six, or seven different bosses. And there's obviously three each week, but they they rotate around. Um, so you're essentially playing different ones uh, at different levels um, each week. And you're not necessarily going to see the same ones each week either. Um, and they get especially difficult there. The one we tried to do earlier on um, with Guy, friend of the podcast, <gasps> sort of friend of the podcast. Um, he we tried <laughs> to do that. It was, and we got. To, we finally, after a few people had to drop out and stuff, we finally got to the boss on round five. It took us fucking ages because it was rock hard, and we we're only level. I'm only thirty three, and he was thirty four. And this, no, he's a thirty two thirty three. And doing it at thirty four means you're doing twenty percent less damage than, than than you would be. So it's a bit harder considering it's already hard. Um, go to the final boss. It's actually like kind of like a raid boss. It's not just you wander into the arena and you just have to shoot at the boss while dodging, being shot. There's other stuff you have to do uh, at the same time. So it's kind of it's it's just like one of the raid bosses. You can't just wander in and start shooting. Um, like with Atheon and Crota, you had to go to a certain. Like Atheon, you had you got teleported and you had to fight your way back through the teleports, picking up a relic on the way so that you could then um, actually injure atheon at the end of the uh photo glass raids and stuff like that um there's a similar concept with these so you kind of got mini raid boss fights at the end of the level 30 um four and 35 um prison of elders so it's kind of halfway between it's kind of halfway to be to be you know there's a bit of raidiness in there if you like um it's not just shoot and dodge everything you have to actually do stuff at the same time uh which makes it extraordinarily difficult um, which is good because it means it's uh, it's a bit of a challenge. Well done, Don. That's very <laughs> nice. Don't hyperventilate. <laughs> well done. Oh dear, whose fire alarm's going off? Uh, that's in mine. Ooh. Oh dear. I think someone's <laughs> just cooking with the kitchen door open. You hope that's what's happening. Yeah, or that they've not set a light to the house, knowing that you're just going to be doing this. Yep. <laughs> well, can you tell us what you've been playing before you burn to death quickly? Um, this week I've played Octodad, Dadliest Catch. There you go. Yeah. Someone was dressed up like that at Comic Con. Really? An idiot. Yeah. Oh, well, they, they keep falling over and bumping into. Oh, them. he's doing that wacky walk. Oh, Piss me right off, off in a crowded Comic Con. Someone yeah. doing that, they'd get well kicked out. In their face. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well. Uh, for people who don't know, Octodad is a game where you play as an octopus who is uh, in a suit, who is married and has two children, all of whom are human. 
Are you describing a dad? It sounds like you are. I am. Uh, the catch is that everybody in this world sees him as just a normal human being. It's just a oh, regular, dear. ordinary guy. Uh, apart from, for some reason, one chef who is determined to out you as an octopus and cook you and <laughs> make you into sushi. That's not um, very nice. It's, it's unusual. Uh, it's, it's one of these... Do we think the creators of this were a little bit druggy? I don't know. This drug drug influence stuff has like a nonsense to it. This has like a a logic to it in a uh-huh. weird way. Tell us the logic, Karen. The logic is that this why would an octopus be in a suit? Walking on on what looks like two legs with two arms, you know? But why is that? Uh it fell in love. It drank some coffee uh-huh. and gained the ability to stand on uh, two legs, and then yeah. uh, it fell in love with a human woman and had two human children with that woman after getting married. Yeah, um, it controls pretty badly, but that's part of the joke. <laughs> there we go. Um, the, the control is awful. I stop playing it immediately. <laughs> the triggers control your legs. So you hold down left trigger to lift your left leg up. The longer you hold it down, the higher you lift your leg. And the same with the right trigger. Um, And then the sticks, if you're not holding a trigger down, will control your arm. And then you can grab things and throw them and whiz them round. And it's just... When you say arm, do you mean many arms? No. Or do you control one arm? So if you imagine an octopus in a suit, right... Imagine it's, it. It's got two <laughs> tentacles down one pant leg as right. to be one leg. Two tentacles down the other. Ah, okay. Uh, and then there's two tentacles, like one tentacle each for its arms, and then there's two tentacles that are unaccounted for, which I think might be his moustache. I'm not 100% sure. Could be. Um, there's a line in it where his wife says, we need to trim your moustache soon. And he, it's just like, it's just part of his face, which is kind of terrifying. Uh, yeah, that would be awful, wouldn't it, knowing that that was going to happen? It's actually just going to cut some of your face off. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they get, so the game, it's obviously not trying to take itself too seriously. It's stupid as fuck in an awesome way. Like, so many times I just, like, I don't know, picked up a chair and launched it across the room and it just hit my own child in the face with it. And it was hilarious every time. <laughs> because, in the game? Yes, yes, of course. Yeah. Because the octopus, like, you know... You'll want to go from one side of the room to the other without causing too much mess because if humans are watching you cause this mess, they start to get a bit suspicious. Like, why would a why would a man be walking around in such a crazy way, arms flailing everywhere, grabbing random vases drunk, and throwing drunk. them around? Could be. Um, but yeah, it, it just looks hilarious. Um, the only problem is, so as I already said, the game controls horribly on purpose. The last level, there's one section where you need such precision that it took me like 30 tries. Oh dear. Like, basically you're on the rafters above a fire and you have to go across these rafters very carefully. And it's so intricate and the slightest mistake and you have to start all over again. I must have spent half an hour on just that one section. Is that when it stops becoming funny? 
Yeah. The, I think that's the problem, isn't it? The joke at that point was over. And this it's not a long <laughs> game. It's like I played it for like four hours before I completed it. Yeah. Um but that last half an hour was just like the, the three hours leading up to that I was like l- having fun, it was funny. Every time I would pick up like I don't know, a wet floor sign and lob it into a child's head. It was hilarious every time. Yeah. But then this last half an hour I was just stone faced, swearing, angry. Like, just a ball of hatred. Um, yeah. But then the good news is, like, um, you know, once you complete the main game, there's, like, little extra story bits. Um, kind of like side quests uh, that you can do. They're little self-contained stories. So one is, like, him and his wife in a restaurant on a date. Yeah. Um, I can the, see where this is going, Gary. Yeah, and the wait is, like, for some reason they keep wanting you to serve other tables and, like, Stuff like that. So you're you're going into the kitchen and it's like, uh, stir this soup. So you grab the ladle and you're stirring it. But then if you like whip the stick in one wrong direction, he just like throws soup everywhere and the ladle's going mental. And what are the physics like, Gareth? They're pretty good. Like if you pick something up and lob it across the room, it proper flies. Yeah, the physics um, have to be just right. Yeah, they're not realistic, but in a good way, you know. Yeah. If that makes sense. So, like, you can pick up pretty much pretty much anything that's not nailed down. You can pick up and throw. There's one bit where the waiters are like, oh, excuse me, there's a couple of left. Can you clear this table? And I just grabbed the table and started flinging <laughs> it around my head like like a frigging cat. Just, you know, swinging it around and I just threw it against a wall. And the waiters were like, oh, he's a natural at clearing tables. And it was just... Why did you just put on an Asian accent? Oh, they were French. I thought that was a French accent. Oh, French think, yeah. waiters. No. Sorry, uh, thanks. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just like it's just when it's when it's fun, it's unbelievably fun. It's just this yeah. one level where they wanted you to be all of a sudden really precise. Yeah, it was like, yeah. what do you think this is? Some kind of fucking game? Yeah. Now, nah, mate. And yeah, <laughs> I, like up until that point, I was thinking like, oh, if, if Rob needs a game for his kids to play, like they'd have a lot of fun playing this, and I was like. <laughs> Yeah. Nope. If they get up to this level, then they'll never play it again because this level just right. ruins all the momentum the game had. But it's 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 really fun, and I got it in a um, the humble bundle shop had a sale on, so I only got it for like two pound fifty. I bet you always pay the minimum amount, don't you? Being really good, stingy. <laughs> well, humble bundle have their own like Steam store as well, so it's not all pay what you want for humble bundle stuff. No, not all. But you time. pay the minimum. I usually try and beat the average if there's good games for beating the average, but they haven't had a really good bundle for a while. This Nintendo one's pretty tempting, because I've got, remember, no games on my 3DS, and only, like, two games on my Wii U. So, yeah. I'm tempted, but not 100%. You don't pay the Wii U anymore? Not unless I'm playing Smash Bros. with my friends, which isn't often. Because Ken's, you know, he's got a girlfriend now and (laughs) you don't see him as much as you probably would have liked. But that's what happens with friendships, you grow apart a bit. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's sad. Cheers for that. Mate, don't worry about it. It's really (laughs) nice. So, apart from that... Oh, apart from that, just shitloads of Heroes of the Storm, uh, League of Legends. I'm actually... um, so the Heroes of the Storm launch is on Monday, yeah. and I'm actually going to go to it. Managed to get some tickets. Okay. Try yeah. and be a little groupie again. Maybe. Who knows? 
I hope they don't start banning you from these events because the <laughs> people are scared. Hey man, I've, I've not done anything legal. I'm legal? Just, I'm just a... Illegal. Oh, okay, I was going to say. I'm just a fan of Heroes of the Storm. What I'm really hoping for is we'll get there and because, you know, it's they were free tickets but they were like limited number. So I'm hoping we get there and they're like, everybody here gets like a free one-of-a-kind, only one-in-the-world type of mount for your character. <laughs> There's only one of them, but everyone gets one. Yeah. All yeah. kinds of limited edition stuff like that always comes out of events. Well, so. I hope there is, Gareth. Not being rude. Oh, but man, you deserve if, it. If people online can see me on a mount that they don't own, I will feel so superior. And every time you walk past it, it plays some uh, dubstep tune. Every time you just stroll past them. Sure, yeah. Yeah? You want to do that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't, don't worry about um, anything else, Gareth. Everyone's there for you. Oh, thanks, mate. Yeah? yeah. Well, um, what have I been playing this week? What haven't I been playing? Well, everything other than The Witcher 3. <laughs> uh, what can I say about The Witcher, Gareth and Don? Uh, I already said last week that I'd never played a Witcher game before, so I really didn't know what to expect. I wasn't too interested in The Witcher 2. had seen it played by a friend, but it just didn't click with me. Uh, I had a few initial problems with um, The Witcher 3 last week uh, upon first play, such as the strange collision detection with the environment and the clunky, floaty combat mechanics. But happily enough, I've now sorted out all the problems. I don't know when it happened. I didn't have to do anything different. I suppose it's just learning the combat and investing in the time to learn it properly. I was frustrating. I was getting surrounded. But if you block an attack with your sword, immediately after that, you're left vulnerable. So you have to roll out of the way. So it's learning the enemies, um, sort of, the way they attack. Because they'll always attack in the same way. Uh, for example, the drowners, which come out of the water they will kind of hit you and then you're you're basically you'll be vulnerable to attack immediately after because your sword kind of gets knocked down a little bit i was getting frustrated because i was trying to fight them and i was blocking and then one would hit me and then another one would come from the side and hit me but i would take damage and i thought that was a bit unfair but then when you learn that each enemy has their own attack patterns so obviously with drowners you don't want to get um you don't want to get surrounded by them because if one of them hits you and then one hits you again straight away, that's it, you've taken damage. Well, yeah, so the thing is, yeah, the thing is to keep them at bay because you need to hit, get back, or if you're hit, you then need to get out as soon as possible so you yeah. don't get bumped upon. You want, to, you want to keep those drowners at bay, mate? Don't start treating me like you treat Don, okay? <laughs> All right. Thank you. With wolves, you can weigh in there, bang, 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 bang. It's not too much problem. Bang, bang, but bang. you've got to learn that each enemy has their own attack pattern. Um, it wasn't easiest to adapt to, especially after coming off the back of the majestic Devil May Cry. Uh, stuff like the vision, where you, you use these instincts, Gerald's instincts, to see things in the wider area, and then you get attacked. That's not a problem anymore. I don't know what it is. I think it's suddenly you just learn that... You know, when you do sense danger, you have to come out of it straight away and he manually pulls out his sword, so you don't need to worry. Uh, what I am surprised most about, though, is that the lack of people that have made direct comparisons to Skyrim, uh, no one seems to have been bringing this up because I think the developers purposefully stuck to the formula that Bethesda set up for a uh, console RPG. Uh, it's deep enough to get into, but at the same time, if you demand more, it's there. 
both games are very similar so much so that if you didn't know any better you would uh, if you told me it was a sequel to Skyrim I would believe you uh, it's not a bad thing Skyrim set the bar for open world fantasy but this feels like blasphemy to say it but I prefer The Witcher 3 Dom now I love Skyrim and I hump, I hump Skyrim on a daily basis it's not Skyrim's fault it's not like you can compare them side by side we're talking about a game that has a hell of a lot more processing power uh, obviously Skyrim pushed the limits on the last gen so you can't compare them like for like but Skyrim is a great place to build from uh, the combat system in Witcher 3 is more rewarding you know it, it takes time to learn obviously I loved the combat in Skyrim but it was kind of one style fits all and you weren't really um there wasn't really any times you really had to adapt. I don't know if you felt that. It was kind of like you would fight the monsters in the same way you would fight the bandits in the same way you'd fight them. And they didn't, even though they had different attack spells and things like that, you never really had to adapt or use special potions or specific types of magic to really give you the advantage in battle. Uh, the only, but also uh, Skyrim, it didn't push you in the way that um, Witcher 3 does. It really pushes you to get the most out of the game and explore avenues that you probably would have had no interest in before. Like the alchemy side of Skyrim, I never touched in about 200 hours. So, this was. Could you just mute your end a minute, Don? Yeah. I like that. I was getting brain hemorrhage. I will call upon you again, Don. Very soon. It's not uh, Skyrim's fault, of course, and whatever Bethesda cut with next will really push the Witcher. So I'm not saying as if Skyrim isn't a better game. Of course it's not a better game. What CD Projekt have done is they've seen what Bethesda did with Skyrim I don't know so much about The Witcher 2, but that was very PC-centric. What CD Projekt have done is they've looked at Skyrim as a starting point of the things that have been narrowed down, slimmed down, they've made it more streamlined in the sort of Skyrim mould. Um, Skyrim's still a fantastic game, and I would never take away the fact that it is probably the best game of last generation that I loved so much. But this game, naturally... It knows what it's doing. It's not a game that's just come out of nowhere, like Lords of the Fallen and similar games like this. This is a game that's had a strong pedigree on the PC. It's built up from the ground up. They know their game. They know what they're doing. They're not fumbling around and suddenly stood up. They have very methodically looked at everything that they could do to improve the game, and it really shows. Uh, the only thing that I would say is that some of the contracts and story modes are so long-winded and full of different sections that at times you can't forget what you set off to do in the first place. So, you know, there may be a contract out there, like a side mission for you to find a guy's daughter that's gone missing. But in between A to Z, there'll be so many different sections that you'll think, hang on a minute, what what did, what was my main intention when I started this mission? Okay, because some side missions can be three or four sections and can be quite long. Uh, some of the design is just strange 
some of the storylines are a bit off, I would say. Not in that it's disgusting. Like, oh, it's horrible. But it's just a bit weird. Um, I don't know if that's because they're Polish. I believe they're Polish. They're like in that kind of Eastern European area. But um, there's just some story elements that... I don't know if they're trying to be edgy and it comes across as a bit clumsy, but there's kind of character designs that don't really seem to fit in with the overall tone. I don't want to say anything because I don't want to spoil it for people that haven't played it. But there's just a few characters that maybe they look a bit too cartoony than they should do because The Witcher really prides itself on this sense of space and exploration and realism. Obviously, it's not realism with witches and stuff like that, but in the sense that it's very much grounded in a sort of world that we can identify as our own. But then there are some creatures that would look that look like they were they're out of a CBBC TV show. You know, a bit a bit strange. They don't really seem to fit in. Um, but like I said, I've been playing it for about 40 hours now, 45 hours, and I've really hit my hit the, my stride now, and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, and I think I've only stumbled across two glitches. One was where I was on the edge of a cliff, and my horse kind of just went over it a bit. But then it allowed me to kind of run across the air in the sky with my horse. <laughs> and then it only stopped when I got off my horse and then just fell to my death. Um, the other one weren't so bad was where I was just kind of stuck in between a rock um, and a hard place. But um absolutely love it. I'm learning little bits here and there. Created my own armour, went off and got the pieces for that. It's just a game that you want to invest in. And, you know... What I said and what I believe is it's very easy to tell a game that's made for corporate purposes um, that, you know, they come in every day, they do their job and then they go home and they're working towards a blueprint, if you will. We talk about a game such as Assassin's Creed where you feel that the programmers and developers, I don't think they get to put themselves into the game, if you see what I mean. It's very much dictated to them from the beginning. Okay, this is the idea what we're doing. This is what it's going to look like. This is your job. This is what you're going to do. Whereas in The Witcher, it seems that so much love has gone into it, so much attention and so much detail that it feels that everyone involved had a part to play in it. You don't get a world so rich and detailed and full of mystery that you just want to go around and have a look at things. You just want to set off. You don't really care in what direction, but you know you'll find adventure. And it has that part of it that Skyrim does. In Assassin's Creed, I don't feel compelled to go off and explore because I know there's nothing waiting for me when I reach the end of the wall or the parameters of the game that they've set for me because it's very prescribed. In this, it really does open you up to that feeling of wonder, and I haven't felt that since Skyrim. And I'll tell you what, I was in bed the other day, 6am, and I woke up. And I haven't done this since Skyrim. It was Becky's day off, and I know she normally gets up about 9. And I thought to myself, shit, I'm not going to get to play Witcher today, because Becky's home. So I got up at 6am, and I played it until she woke up. Because I had to get my Witcher um, gaming time in. And I think that's when you know that a game's got you, that you will sit there and you will try and plan out your day to hopefully get some time with it, rather than, oh, I'll just play it when I've got a few minutes. You actually 
you actually make the time to play it, even if it means getting up at 6am at a weekend. That's how you know that a game's got you. But I would say to anyone that liked Skyrim, even if you liked Skyrim, but there were a few things that got on your nerves, kind of like the repetitive nature of the dungeons and the elven ruins and stuff, because let's be honest, and this is no insult to Skyrim or what Skyrim was, because it was a landmark game, but because of memory or whatever, it had to be very uniform, some of the areas that you had to explore, like the elven ruins and the Drumar ruins uh, and the cave systems. They were very much cut and paste. You could tell where you were. But in this, there's so much variety, there's so much just beauty in the area that it's just, it's fantastic. One minute, you know, you'll be fighting wolves and there'll be a storm and there'll be rain falling down everywhere and there'll be puddles forming. And then the next minute, you know, the sun's uh, right. It feels awful. It feels evil. It feels dirty. It feels gloomy. You're around dead bodies. There's people hanging from trees where they've committed crimes. There's these things called corpses that feed off of human bodies and they're eating the bodies and it's, you know, there's um, lightning flashing everywhere. You know, there's rain, the floor's sodden. You can hear your footprints squelching in the mud. And then a few hours later, you'll be walking across a meadow. The sun will be shining through the trees and you'll just be watching deer kind of just run down the hill. And it's these juxtapositions of the game that just, you don't know what's going to happen next. And it just, there's so many emotions going on throughout the game. There's frustration, there's relaxation, there's river streams. You can just, you know, it's it's just one of those games you get totally lost in and you don't realise three hours have gone. And I think this is Bethesda. I know that they're going to better it. I know they are because they have to. And they'll see this as a kind of challenge to them. And if they are making a Skyrim at the moment or a Fallout or whatever it is they're doing, they will look at The Witcher and they'll think, OK, now we've seen what The Witcher is, let's beat it. And it will step up their development, I hope. But yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. So you liked it then? <laughs> no, it's fucking shit. No, I thought so. <laughs> but yeah, like I'm saying, it's obviously I would say to you, Don, get it, but you won't play it, which is a shame. <laughs> but what they're doing, their business model is so great in that I want to play it, I want to keep playing it. I know they're going to offer me downloadable content. And it's going to be free. So I'm going to keep hold of the game because I'm going to just keep playing it. And I know I'm going to keep playing it because it's the... You know, when you say to yourself, why can't every game be like Skyrim? Why can't it be a game that I can really invest in? And I moan on the podcast every week that there's nothing out or that all the games are throwaway. This is a real game that you can invest in and know that it won't be time wasted because you're going to be part of the world. Um, And it's just a lovely game. And Gareth, you need to get it. I don't know if PC can run it. Uh, I was looking at some uh, sort of people that are running it on the same graphics card as me. It seems like my PC probably could run it. Are fairly decent settings. Yeah, but, but uh, I just have no no inclination. But why? What is it? What can I do to tell you to what to get you to get this game? I know watching it, the combat doesn't look great. I know the that combat world. doesn't look great. The movement doesn't look great. I yeah. think the world looks like it looks very derivative to me. It is. It's, it's derivative of 
a game like Skyrim. That's that's what it feels like. It yeah. feels like Skyrim HD, and everything you see, that is what you get, but it's not. That, that is the world, okay? But there's sections in the world that are like nothing you've seen before. Right. Um, which I can't go into detail, but do you remember when you'd done the Shivering Isles and stuff like that, and it was kind of like a real dose of oblivion, but it was... It felt really different, didn't it? Like you were somewhere else. Right. And sometimes when you go around in The Witcher, you stumble upon places like this that are totally different from the game that add that variety that you need. There's fields, yes, there's fields, there's townships. I think... I think I just have... Oh. Oh. Thanks, I love <laughs> you, you so much. You know, he shut the gates of fucking hell. Yeah. I yeah. think I have a, a natural sort of, uh, not hatred, but dislike towards, like, fantasy universes that are trying to make their own epic mythology. Like, yeah. I had this problem with Dragon Age Origins as well. It's like, I don't give a fuck that you're trying to create this massive universe of, like, elves and dragons and mages and dwarves. I don't give a yeah. fuck. Like, but okay, the I'm game's saying. fun to play. I don't give a fuck about your fucking world. Shut up about it. Like, It doesn't force that on you. You know, it, it's It does, there. though, because you play as a character. Who is yeah, a you specific... play as a character in that world. Exactly. But you have your own ideals, you have your own morals, and you have your own outlook and the way you see the game and the way you want to play it. You know, you're not set as Geralt, this guy that's a nice guy that does this or does that. But it's not at the same time the same as Mass Effect, where you change throughout it. It's very much left. There's no right or wrong. There's grey areas in between what is right and wrong. You could do something that you think's right at one time, but turns out to be detrimental towards a village in the long run. It's things like that that make you really think and you feel invested in the world. Now, there's it's not on Skyrim's level where there's tomes and books that you read that give you history upon the world that you're in. Um, there's character biographies that you can just read at your own discretion that tells you about where they are in the world. But other than a shortcut scene at the beginning that kind of tells you about um, how the humans and the witches came about, it... It's not heavy-handed, and I know exactly what you're saying about because I'm the same, where it feels like a lot of heavy shit is just dumped on you straight away, and you're forced to wade through it to find out where you are in relation to this whole massive, grand-scale story. It is spoon-fed to you throughout the opening act, and you learn about the world and its characters without having to pick up diaries, without having to you know, wade through hours and hours of text it's done throughout your talking through interacting with characters through talking to npcs i'll give you an example i'm on a, a mission at the moment and he met meets a guy that was in the witcher 2 which i'd never played before and they stumble upon each other again now i don't know this guy from adam but as we're riding towards our objective he just gives a little bit of backstory. And it's not 10 minutes, oh, this is what happened, or there's a cutscene, or he says, hey, maybe you didn't play The Witcher 2. Here's a massive book about everything that happened between us, a journal I just happened to write, if you can read that. It's exposition, but it's not stuffed down your throat. You're going towards this mission, and it might take about three minutes, 
But Gerald will say, what happened to you after blah, blah, blah? I haven't seen you in a while. And he'll say, oh, I did this, I did that. Kind of like the way Grand Theft Auto does it, when you know when they're sitting in the car yeah. and they're just chatting away to each other. That's how The Witcher explains its story to you. It's not in a heavy-handed way. It's not through reams and reams of text. It's through exposition while you're playing the game and while you're travelling to objectives. Because it's not this... Because I thought that's what Skyrim did. Um, and it was one of its faults in that you start a mission here, you, you talk to people, and then you go on this long-ass walk where nothing particularly happens or you don't learn anything new, and then you get to the end point where you do the mission and then you talk to other people. Here, you may meet someone in the village and then they'll accompany you on the way if the computer feels that they need you need to know, or whilst you're on a mission with that person. So you may be sort of in a cave trying to battle a werewolf or something, but you'll have someone with you and while you're discovering the temple together they'll be sort of chatting about what they did before or how they met and things like that and it's masterfully done in that these are moments where you would be doing nothing otherwise you would just be walking along just trying along a dark corridor but because you've got someone to talk to it doesn't feel intrusive in any way it feels expertly done and you're just learning it as you're playing it you don't realize that you're learning it because it's so fun and it's so well done and you just learn it without having to learn and that's the best way games can do it. I think my it's like a prejudice I have against like um sort of medieval sort of set games. Like I don't have this problem with sci fi. Sci fi no. I'll jump into any universe and I'll like, you know, get used to it and stuff, but like Elder Scrolls for me gets kind of a pass because it's so established now as a universe. That yeah. they could just make any Elder Scrolls game and say this is set in some bullshit ville of some bullshit country, <laughs> bullshit and I would ville. and I'd believe it, you know, because that universe is so well established, and everything they do in that game will be set in a universe I understand and is grounded. But using Dragon Age as the example, straight away it's like, oh, you're in the Mage College, and you there's all this yeah. magic stuff that you, you have to take for granted because we're making this shit up from from nothing, and it's like I just. Even though I was enjoying playing Dragon Age, I didn't give a fuck about that universe at all. Because I knew they just pulled it all out of their ass. Yeah. Like, I didn't have that with Mass Effect, even though it's made by the same people. Mm. Like, in a similar way, like, for whatever reason, I just accepted Mass Effect as this cool, awesome new universe. But Dragon Age, it's like, because it's set in this, like, Lord of the Rings, almost, style universe, I just couldn't give two shits about it. And, I yeah, feel and like you expect it to do that. Yeah. And you expect The Witcher to do that. But you're very, you're very pleasantly surprised when it's not. And the combat looks still weird. The animation doesn't look great. But when you're actually playing it, it's so hypnotic that you feel like a sword master. It's not exciting to watch in the sense that Devil May Cry is. But it's exciting to play because it's so on edge, especially if you're playing on the higher difficulty levels, which I am. Um, in that, you know, one mistake can cost you your life. It's so on edge and, you know, it's kind of memorising those sort of attack patterns and what you can do and what you could do at a particular time. And I think that's what it is, feeling like a sword master. Like, okay, there's three of you, but I know that I'm a sword master and I know exactly what you guys are doing. And if they somehow manage to bundle on you, it's about improvising. So it's like, oh, shit, they've, they've worked me out. I'm fucked. And it's not like Skyrim where you took a potion and your life would regenerate straight away. It's you will take this magic potion 
and it will gradually work over 20 seconds. So if your life's at a sliver, you can't just take a potion and get right back into it. You have to wait for your life to regenerate over, say, 20 seconds. So it's very tense, and that really adds to it. And when you improvise your way out of a situation, it feels really good and ultimately rewarding for it. Because in Skyrim, let's be honest, you would block or you would go back and then you would charge up your sword swipe and then you'd go in for the hit and hit them and then you'd feel good and that would be brilliant. But with this, it really feels like sometimes you're battling for your life and it feels good and it feels like when you are smart or when you use your perception or you suddenly see um, a bandit coming from behind and he's got his sword up in the air and you know he's going to get you but you turn around and just shoot a fireball at him and he flies out of the air and it's like, whoa, that was quality. You don't get those bits in Skyrim. And, you know, next week I'm sure that I'll come on with even more stuff to say or stuff that I've experienced. And it is that. It's that layer of it's it holds, holds your hand in the beginning more than you realise, but it doesn't do it blatantly. It doesn't say, oh, press this to dark, press this to do that. Press. I was getting pissed off with the combat system. But it was so gentle in the beginning that it didn't affect my enjoyment as much as it maybe would have in other games. And that it allowed me at my own pace to learn the combat system and learn the intricacies. And then it slowly ramps up the difficulty with you until it's ready to push you out into the world. So you're saying it started off gentle, but then it got rougher and rougher and rougher. And now you just love just being taken by it. I love being taken by it. And, you know, I, I met my first giant today i didn't meet him <laughs> it was basically i was walking through the uh, through the forest this dense forest and in the distance i could just see this thing oh, what's that and i ran forward and it had a red skull on it which basically meant you're not at the level to touch this yet and he, he literally started running towards me and i just ran off and it's those awe-inspiring moments that are just brilliant and there's so many of them and like you gareth i know that you're like oh i don't want this lore bullshit I think when it comes down in price, maybe, because PC games come down very quickly, give it a go. You won't be disappointed. Similarly, anyone who played Witcher 2, give it a go and you will love it. I don't know what the Witch, the hardcore Witcher community thinks about it because I know some of the potions and some of the alchemy has been toned down a bit and some of the combat. So I don't know how they feel about it. Maybe they think it's been dumbed down or maybe they think that it's better. But maybe try and find a Witcher expert to come on and explain to us if they've... You know, because some people get like that, don't they, Gareth? You know, or they've they've dumbed it down for the console audience. It's shit, blah, blah, blah. They've dumbed this down or you used to be able to do this and it was so much better. So maybe let's go on the hunt for a Witcher expert and have them on in the future. If only there was uh, some website that was doing some kind of deal on The Witcher 3... Yeah, but there you go. We haven't got Dave uh, around <laughs> to do that. But, I mean, you're bang for your buck, especially with the free DLC coming out. You know, you, you can't you can't fool it, Gareth. I very rarely shell out for a brand new game, but this was an exception, and I'm glad I went for it. Alright. It's not better than Skyrim, now. <laughs> okay. But like I said... I'm surprised there haven't been as many comparisons made. Because you always get like, oh, Destiny versus Halo, blah, 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 versus blah, blah, blah. But no one's actually gone, hang on a minute, these games are very similar. But I don't think anyone wants to take that responsibility on of being the person that says, let's compare the two games, because they're so vast and so different with so many variables. 
that you know it would be take years. It's not like it's not like Halo and Destiny where you can just side by side comparisons and say which is better. On this, there's so much that you can compare between the two that it really becomes a test of endurance. But there you go. Okay. Right, so Gareth, stop recording. There's Don. What? I've Don's not come back. Recording. Don's come back with his mist of hate. Oh my god. Um, I only have one thing to say. Go on, Gareth. Don't whatever your name is. Um, with regards to Octodad, um, <laughs> octopuses. Uh, do you know they only actually have seven arms? The eighth one is actually their penis. There you go. Well, you said octopuses, and it's actually octopi, so uh, we're both right. I didn't say octopuses, I said regards You said, you said octopuses. Octopus. You said, did you know what octopuses have? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that proves me wrong. Well, that is the Game Central podcast for this week. Thank you very much, Gareth. That was absolutely brilliant. If you want to read the exclusive Max Payne free review to see if you should either get that or The Witcher, then you'll find that at www.gamebanter.co.uk. Sorry I didn't serialise it this week, Gareth. I said I was going to. Maybe we'll start next week. Uh, join us next week for more of our run-up to E3 uh, news, cutting-edge news, and also what have we been playing this week, where I will absolutely fawn all over The Witcher 3 once again. Uh, Don, say goodbye to everyone. Bye, everyone. Don's girlfriend's mum calls him Dookie, which I find is a little bit sexual. Maybe it is. Oh, yes. Is her mum quite attractive? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you get people's mums that are just nice, aren't they? And you're like, I know you're my girlfriend, but would it be a little bit wrong to suggest a little menage a trois? Oh, my yes, gosh. Yes, What the yeah. hell? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Gareth, uh, you are at Game Banter on Twitter, aren't you? I am. And uh, you like wrestling? I am a wrestling fan, you might say. You love uh, wrestling. Uh, there's an actual new wrestling organisation, though, isn't there? Is there? What are they called? What? what what's the new wrestling organisation called? New? Yeah. What are you talking about? There's a new wrestling... I'm going to have to find out now. Oh, Sorry about this. going on for so long. <laughs> right, Global Force Wrestling, yeah? You heard uh, of it? No. GFW. Oh, well, I've heard of it, but it's not new. How long have they been going for? Long Scott long Hall has joined them. Oh, great. You know Scott Hall, that's brilliant. Wow. Right then, well that's breaking news in wrestling this week. Uh, for all your other gaming news, go somewhere else. Speak to you later, bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> <Right. laughs>